This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to some sort of the Clear Jets podcast for us, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Hope everybody had a great Christmas. Michael and I both rocking the Christmas Day sauce jerseys. Uh, the Jets themselves got a big Christmas Day gift with the Packers beating the Dolphins. That's old news, though, Michael. We're recording this on a Wednesday. This is coming out on, on Thursday morning, and it's a big game this weekend. And I know we've said that every week for like two months now, but this is a huge game for the Jets. Do or die, win or go home. I mean, the playoffs are, have started. The next time they lose, their season's over, and every win, their season keeps extending, assuming the Patriots lose one of their next two. But, Michael, even the fact that they're in this position with the playoff, the path to the playoffs this clear, it's a great feeling. And I know the team hasn't done too well the last few weeks, but they do get a guy named Mike White back, and that might change some things up. So, Plenty to talk about in this episode, but first, Michael, how was your Christmas? How are you doing, man? Yeah, it was a great holiday for me. I mean, like you said, we both got the sauce jersey, so we're matching with that. I also got a white Garrett Wilson jersey. Um, by the way, if you're listening, this is a green sauce jersey, so uh, no new stealth black jerseys this time around, but hopefully next year we can add to that. Uh, although I'm skeptical with my jersey additions, hopefully this doesn't mark the end of their careers, crossing my fingers. That, that's I true. I don't have a great that's track true. record. Yeah, let's, let's hear. What, what are some of the jerseys you had? And I don't think many Jets fans have good track yeah. record. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, how how could you? Like, who could you have gotten within the Quinnen? past 10 years? Quinnen? I guess that's There were some true. rookie Quinnen jerseys that I think people were like, oh, dang, another bust. A little and then he's turned around. Out, but had some patience, and it's panning out. So, yeah. um, 2021 set, I got a trio of Zach, Elijah Moore, and Carl Lawson. So, All right. it's not looking, not looking great. Yeah. <laughs> um, 2019, when they got the new jerseys, I got Darnold, Bell, and Adams. So, oh, for three there. Um, prior to that, I didn't have too many. I had Muhammad Wilkerson. Well, you get you get the. Let's be honest. So you get the knockoff jerseys. So you have a, you have a high volume of jerseys. It does give you a chance to raise the volume a little bit. There's yes. less risk involved, so it's not like my I'm out here breaking the bank or anything. Yeah, my last few, my last two have just been Darnold and Wilson. So I finally, you know, this actually I lied. This was not a Christmas gift. I was given this. Cause I went to the Jags game. I was lucky enough. I got to go with uh, right, yeah. Amazon. They have this like VIP package. It was really cool. It was offered. I, I mean, there was a bunch of other Jets fans there that, that went, it was coolest thing about that game. Cause the game itself sucked, but um, yeah, they gave the Jersey it was sick. Um, but Christmas itself though, Michael, I mean, obviously the best part was, was the, uh, the Packers beating the Dolphins. I mean, I, I, showed you, was... I showed you my reaction. It was just like yeah, uh, a regular that... Jets game, just dancing around in my, Christmas PJs just yeah. flipping out about Aaron Rodgers winning a game. 
on a Christmas. Like I'm a Packers fan. So that was a lot of fun. I mean, between that yeah, and the Patriots I mean, fumbling, yeah, that, the, the Patriots, <laughs> Patriots losing their game. And then the Raiders was a little bonus. I mean, that was something you'd probably get anyway, but something to add on to it. Uh, but they really got all the help they needed. And, and the, the Raiders, not to, not to go like, all over the place here early on. Yeah. But the Raiders, you see that news about Derek Carr today? You think Derek that's, Carr uh, news? Think that's he's in New York next year? Something we could touch on, definitely. Um, All right, early early prediction: it. is is early the Jets prediction. quarterback next year? No, yes but no? there's there's a there's a good chance to it. There's yeah, a, he's definitely a chance definitely be leading the the options. But again, that that yeah. discussion is probably for a different podcast. Maybe we'll hop into it yeah. a little bit today. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah. The, the whole weekend just it kind of felt like a second chance. I mean, we were all deflated and depleted after you know five days two home games your whole season goes down the drain and then now hold on a second you got all the help that you almost all the help still one more step to go um that you needed in pretty much one weekend so it's like hold on a minute we still kind of can get right back in this just by winning two more games like remember we thought going into detroit we needed to get four in a row we thought that's what the Jets were going to need. Then we thought three. We said three and one. We said three and one. Three and one. I don't think we saw the Dolphins. Four and to be six, I think. But um, yeah. definitely thought we needed three in a row. But now here you are, two in a row. There's a good chance, not not certain, but good chance that it should be enough. So it felt like a, a second chance. And it's kind of, I think Mike White said that when he's talking to the media, kind of described it that way. But um, but yeah, that's what it feels yeah, like. It, it feels it feels like yeah. they died and now they've they've come back to life a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that maybe 100%. that rebirth, that that clean slate is exactly what this team needs. And the fact that you mentioned Mike White that, that they get their right. guy back. I mean, it does change everything. It's not like oh, the Jets are still alive, yay! But this is same the same shitty team we saw on Thursday. It's a completely different team with Mike White. Right. And I forget the exact numbers, but if you take his three games that he started and put it over the course of an entire season, the Jets would have one of the best. If I think the tweet I read, but I didn't fact check it, was like they'd have the top offense in the league. Um, but regardless, even if that, yeah. that was some fake news, the Mike White-led Jets offense looks a hell of a lot different. And yeah. who knows if it's enough to win the next two, but there's a, a real sh- – I mean, that was the thing that was kind of deflating about going into Thursday. It was like, can Zach do it? But if they're going into that game against the Jags with Mike White, I'm sorry, Michael. I feel like the Jets win that game. I feel like they yeah. beat the Lions too. Yeah. No, yeah, that was the icing on the cake because even after you got all those games, it was like, you know, is White going to play? Because I know personally I had some skepticism. It just felt like the kind of thing that, you know, Jets player gets hurt. Yeah, he's okay. He'll be back. And then it drags out. It kind of feels like that's how it always goes with the Jets. But so I was a little skeptical. Then Monday comes and he's back. And now, like, it's the season's right back on, it feels like. Um, but, but yeah, like, Mike White's injury is deflating because even after he lost those two games – to the Vikings and the Bills, and, you know, it was tough to lose those games, but I really felt like those last four games is where they, they were going to start cleaning up with Mike White and start racking up some wins to get into the playoffs because, you know, those were two road wins to teams that now each have 12-plus wins. Um, they were one-score losses. Minnesota, you know, red zone struggles. Buffalo, a lot of that game was lost by non-Mike White issues. You know, when he leaves, Joe Flacco chokes, Michael Carter fumbles. But it felt like down the stretch against lesser defenses, two games at home against Detroit and Jacksonville, who, you know, red-hot teams but struggling defensively. It felt like Mike White was really going to get something going down the stretch there. But then he goes out, Zach Wilson comes in, and he really struggles across these two games. And that quarterback change feels like the difference in definitely at least one, if not both, of these games. Um, but luckily the football gods decided, you know what, we want you guys in this year. 
here's one last chance. Go take advantage give of it. Give a chance, yeah. And and here it is. So it really feels like a second chance. And for me, I think it's it's really an opportunity to get to reclaim that narrative that the season was on track to be because when they were seven and four, it felt like this was a step ahead in the rebuild. Like, you know, kind of skipping that transitional stage and going straight to, okay, we're here right now. We're ready to compete, be a playoff team, a team that can be dangerous in the playoffs um, and just skip past that stage where it's like, okay, we are taking that transition from four win team to now almost playoff team playoffs next year, skipping that going straight to the contention. Now it felt like they're on that road. Um, but you have this losing streak. Now you're in flux. You're on the bubble. So these last two came, two games are going to dictate what the season's gonna, going to be. Is it going to be that seven win in the middle kind of season where there's still a lot to be positive about and hopeful about with all the young talent they've developed, how competitive they've been? Is it just going to be limited to that, or are they still going to get back to being what they were, which is a team that's ahead of schedule and uh, really looks talented enough to do something right now because they still have a chance to be that team if they can get these last two games and hopefully get the help uh, that they need. So it's new life and we'll see, we'll see what Mike White has got. He's got this chance now to lead the team to the playoffs and it's going to be fun to watch. Well, it's, it's, it's funny that the Seahawks, are the team they're playing this Sunday, because they're honestly a team that's in a very similar yeah. situation. I mean, not only are they going to do or die, they have to win the next two and, and get some help to make the playoffs, but they're another team that, like you said, maybe the ex- preseason expectations weren't too high, but uh, or a lot of early success ahead of schedule. And then the last month they've slipped a little bit. I think they, I think they've also, have they lost four of the last five or five of the last six. I forget the exact amount, but um, I mean, they've lost a lot recently as well. So this is two desperate teams, both playoff hopes on the line. The tough part for the jets is going to be making that cross country travel all the way to Seattle. Luckily they had the the long break um, before that, but that West Coast trip, there aren't haven't been many times I've seen the Jets win on the West Coast, if we're being honest. Uh, and it's an incredibly tough place to play. My first ever NFL game was actually that Jets Seahawks 2012 game. Um, and man, the how the I mean, maybe I was just a uh, you know little kid and not, or I was 12, but like the the level of of volume and crowd noise compared to what I've experienced at Met, and look, I think MetLife gets a bad rap. I mean, I know it's not perfect, but you know, I've had some great times at MetLife and I think it can get loud. Even Thursday, the first few drives, I mean, I know it was raining and it wasn't full, but I was like, Hey, the fans that are here are getting loud. Yeah. But I just remember being there when I was when uh, in 2012 and it felt like I was in a war zone. <laughs> like it was like Russell Wilson threw one touchdown and the place exploded. Or I think Gino threw an interception on the goal line and the place, you know, just it's, it's hostile territory. Uh, I know Sala, his record when he was with the 49ers, I think he's two and eight against Seahawks. I want to fact check me on that one, but it's not like he's had great success against his former mentor and Pete Carroll, but this is a enemy territory. Both teams are desperate. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere, but I do feel like opponent wise, the Jets should win this game, but it's not going to be an easy test, especially against Geno Smith, which how funny is it that they get to play? By the, by the way, it just feels like felt like he was just out of the league, like rearview mirror, like, oh, that guy was a bust a few years ago. And now here he is with a chance to end the Jets season um, a decade after he was drafted or nine years after he was drafted. It's it's nuts. But uh, that's also a little scary. So this whole matchup, I, I feel good about it on paper when we when you and I were looking at some of the, uh, you know, getting ready for this preview, just looking at some of the matchups and stuff like that. I was like, oh, OK, I like the way the Jets can exploit this. But the fact that it's like, all right. 
got to go West Coast, got to play the the guy that you drafted and ran out of town. I mean, he did it to himself a little bit, but, you know, and another desperate team. It's a scary matchup, but an exciting one. And exactly like you said, Michael, I mean, this is this is what we wanted. We wanted meaningful December games. They didn't really work out, but how about some meaningful January games? Huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, quickly before we, get, before we get into the matchup a little bit more, let, let's just appreciate that regardless of – the losing streak, the fact that they're seven and eight. You whatever. did this last week too. Like, you did this last week, and they lost. I didn't do this was, last week, didn't I? Still though. Yeah, you like, were like, let's just take a moment and appreciate. Here. Let's let's still just take a moment. Like that's what it's all about. It's going to be January here I in agree. a few days, and we're talking about a Jets game that we want to win. We are attempting to win. There are stakes, things on the line. Still, it is fun to be in this position, and uh, let's appreciate that because what yeah, is I think this the latest I think this time over the past few seasons that we have been talking about a game in this in this way where we're game planning trying to win look at matchups what is the latest even last season what was the last game we I did think, that for well Bengals? on the podcast not really ever but the <laughs> 2019 i think it was the when they won the three games in a row in 2019 i think we kind of got up for the pulled Bengals back game. into it a little bit but even yeah. before that you're kind of checked out but yeah. then that kind of brought you back in 2018 2020 Donald. we know 2020 we know it was over maybe second or third yeah, week i think this time last year maybe last sunday last year i was upset that Connor mcdermott had caught a touchdown because it may have cost us cave on thibodeau so exactly just shows you how, how things have changed around here but yeah i agree i mean look it's it's great to be breaking down actual matchups and this feels like a playoff game because it is it's a playoff game now, for now we can finally and, say that it is a must win that is not yes it is absolutely must you're win. just throwing out there you are literally eliminated if you lose so it's a fact at and this point. and the cool thing is this late game window so if the if the and now I know Tua Tagovailoa has a concussion, it doesn't sound like he's going to play on Sunday, or I think he was evaluated for a concussion. Doesn't sound like he's going to play on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see about playing against the Jets. But in fact, it does hurt the Jets if he doesn't play on Sunday because we're all Dolphins fans this weekend. We need the yeah. Pats to lose one. I feel knock on wood. I feel pretty good about them losing to the Bills last week of the season because it sounds like the Bills will still be fighting for that one seed. So even if Tua doesn't play, the Pats win. You know it'll you know, make that last game against the Dolphins a little, uh, not a, it won't be a win and in, it'll be a scoreboard, watch the, the Pats bills game. But if the Dolphins can take care of business and beat the Pats, they have that early game. It'll be, we'll know the result before the start of the Jets game. Oh man, the energy and excitement, the first few minutes of that game of here we go. Like it, it's a back-to-back win and in games essentially is what it feels like. So um, very excited for this Sunday. Do we even want to go back to, to Thursday? Because we didn't do a post game pod. Yeah, we haven't talked about it. We I feel like we should talk about Zach a we little should. bit. I think we should recap. All right, it a we'll go bit. back. We'll recap the Jags game a little bit, and then we'll go talk about the Seahawks game and preview this matchup. Uh, man, tough game. I'll say. I know I mentioned that the Amazon thing. Cool, few cool things. Few cool tidbits. One, got the cost us off the bucket list. You, uh, you got to go on the field after the game, which is cool. And by the way, it gave me some uh, some perspective on Chris Trevler's missed pass. I mean, obviously you should have hit that, but it's not like I got a cannon or anything, but I can throw a bo- football. And I was out there trying to throw that ball, and I was like, man, to throw in, in this wind and these rains, like 15 yards felt like 25. I mean, it was I was barely getting that ball out. Um, but the tunnel that we were standing in before we got to go on the field was the same tunnel the refs had to run out. And it was fresh on my mind, that third down play that the refs just blew up for no reason. I guess they said the Jets were making some substitution or whatever. 
and it looked like it was going to be an easy first down. And then the ref like ran into the play. They stopped it. And then of course, two plays later, the Jets turned it over on downs. So that was still boiling. I was going to blame the whole entire terrible performance and loss on that one ref. And so I was standing there and then the refs are coming on. I was, I made an ass of myself and I heckled the shit out of him. And just like, I mean, four feet away from him, just loud tunnel. It was just me booing the shit to their faces and it was you know i felt good afterwards i mean i think everybody else in that group was like oh my god what a you know animal psychopath but (laughs) you know it's one thing to be yelling and screaming at them when you're like 30 rows up and nobody can hear you but when you're right in their face like when i was just booing them and telling them they suck and i was like they probably don't hear that that often no (laughs) their faces they looked like startled um so that was cool i think that was about it that was the only funny part i think i wanted to say on the podcast but the whole thing was awesome field pre-game warm-ups being there for man sauce just has that that superstar i know we already know this but the way he comes out and the way the fans react to him i mean he finally is that like next level superstar you could put on the cover of madden in fact he probably i mean the way the you know the career path he's on he will be on the cover of Madden at some point not that you necessarily want that although i think that the madden curse is probably not the same as it used to be, but like the fact that the Jets have that level of, of star is there who's the next guy? The the last guy they had that was even close that compares to, to that. I mean, maybe not, I Jamal mean, like, came not yeah, not but close that's to not this, even but close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. I, I that agree. guy. Yeah. Oh, my man, I forgot about Jamal. Imagine if he was playing in this game. Yeah, it would add a lot to it. <laughs> who's the last guy? Keyshawn, or is there somebody? I mean, maybe more recent. I feel like. Yeah, Revis, probably. <laughs> probably Revis. It just feels like... But, like, the star power of Sauce, though, feels... Like, Revis yeah, no, was a star, I don't star, know if there's anyone was... that could be compared to that in terms of, like, the just the brand aspect of it, I yeah, guess. In, just in, in genuine like the, star power. Just, like, the like, energy. Yeah. Yeah, and, but it's different, too, because I think it's authentic. You know, that was the thing with Jamal, is, like, you know, he's right, the right. pound my chest, I'm him type of guy, but, you know, and so that might get some media coverage, and you think he's a star, but it's different with sauce. Like there's yeah, just yeah, a, for sure a swagger there that they haven't had in a long time. So anyway, I think that was it. But in terms of the actual game, brutal, um, game started great. Quinnen doing back to back to the same old, uh, but Zach, I mean, man, tough game out there. what did you think of Zach's performance outside of putrid and awful? Yeah. I mean, it was another really bad game and it was, it was a different style of kind of rough game compared to the last one, because the last game, you know, there, there were some flashes in there, but it was kind of, you know, very high highs and very low lows. And this one, I don't I don't know if he did anything that was, you know, particularly awful, but it was just that he didn't really do anything good throughout the whole duration of the game. And he wasn't supported too well, but there, there was just nothing special on his film in this game. And then, you know, despite the bad support, it was the, the, the main problem is that he was exacerbating bad situations rather than mitigating them you know he would take sacks that he didn't have to take um he would you know he would dodge pressure on a play but someone would be open after that and he would miss the throw um there's Corey davis bomb that he threw down the field where you know it was poorly protected herbig got beat and he did a good job of dodging it then at that point he chucks up a you know a prayer into double coverage that uh davis fortunately breaks up. So this was a team-wide issue with the offense. The offensive line is terrible. The run game was bad. There wasn't a ton of great options schemed up. Um, so it, it wasn't all Wilson for sure, but the problem was he just never did anything to 
go beyond that, like no money throws, no creating anything outside of the pocket. Um, and then, you know, when they did scheme things open, because there were some opportunities, um, he missed them pretty much every time. You know, there's the short little stop route to Garrett Wilson that he missed by a mile. Um, there was the biggest one was at the end of the second quarter. Um, Corey Davis was on a dig and it was well protected. Davis was wide open and he just has to hit the throw and Zerline will have a chance at a field goal to close the half. Um, and he comes up a few yards short on that, not even close. So, uh, so yeah, it wasn't all him, but he still didn't do anything positive really. And, you know, he made bad situations worse. And when they act in the rare situations where they did give him a good chance to do something, uh, he botched it pretty much every time. So it was, it was definitely another bench worthy performance. I, I think Salah should have made the change at halftime and that would have given them a, a better chance to get back in the game. Yeah. Cause by the time Strebler got in, it was too little too late. And just because of the style he plays, it's like, you know, if he is going to move the ball, it's going to take some time because it's going to be, you know, small gain, small gain, small gain all the way down the field. So he was you know, moving they, the ball. I mean, yeah, I know he couldn't throw yeah, that I mean, much, he moved but... it. He moved it. That first drive was great and, you know, it was promising, but it's just, you know, you weren't going to get many chances at that point. So, yeah, I would have liked to see him see him at oh, halftime. That throw, that throw to Uzama, though, that should that was a that was a win. I, mean, I mean, I know, like like you said, it was tough conditions out there, but man, Uzama was wide, wide, I don't wide think I've open. seen a, a play. I don't know if I've <laughs> ever seen. I know this we throw, you know, hyperbole out there a lot, but I don't is. know if I've ever seen i didn't say hyperbolic i just said hyperbole they both they're the same i know it's just the descriptive way of saying it but either way i i really do not know if i've seen someone that wide open the guy was closest guy was 20 yards away from him it was, that should have been a touchdown but yeah re- other than that it was other than the easy touchdown he didn't throw um totally can overlook that um other than that he did actually move it pretty well but i, I would have liked to see the change at halftime i don't know what Zach did in that first half to make you think things were going to get better and they didn't. So, well, I think um, they just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was calling for that, the halftime change as well. And I agree that they probably should have, I think the thing with Straveler, like you said, I mean, the way you looked at it is probably how they should have looked at it is like, okay, well, if you put in Straveler, um, it's going to take him a while because he's going to have to move the ball. But I think they looked at it as like, once you put in Straveler, you're not going to really be able to pass. So once you go there, it's like Zach, should on paper give you the best chance to win if you can get it together in the slightest. And that's the weird thing is like, and I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, but you go back and you watch his, his BYU film, or even you read like Douglas's quote about why they liked him. And he was like, you know, we value anticipation and the ability to play with timing and, uh, uh, you know, uh, play recognition and his football IQ, his mental horsepower is off the charts and all these things. It's like, where the fuck is that? Like, those are all the things he's struggling with. And, you know, I, I, I don't I'm not one of those people who just thinks that Zach Wilson's career is over. They sh- I mean, we'll talk about what they should do with him, but that cut him or no, not going to cut him, but like trade him. He's over. He's he's done with like maybe he'll never pan out. But at the same time, I mean, I also just think that maybe he won't be what we thought he will. But you're going to trade him for what are you going to get? A conditional sixth, a conditional fifth, maybe, maybe a conditional fourth that can become like a third with some playing time. Or you just hang on to him, make him your third string developmental QB, redshirt year for Zach, and just see if he turns into something. You've already invested the second overall pick in the draft in him. You're going to have to pay him. And it's like, you know, some time on the bench. The guy the Jets are going to face this weekend can tell you all about that, what that did for his career. 
Sandar looks a little bit better. Are those guys pro bowlers or the Pat Mahomes that we compared Zach Wilson to when, when they drafted him? No, but could Zach Wilson put it together and become a, an NFL quarterback that has value? Sure. I mean, he has clearly has the talent and from the sounds of it. Now we don't know he's a hard worker and he cares about this. So you put those two things together. Like that's the one thing where it's like stat wise and performance wise up there with Jamarcus Russell up there with Ryan leaf up there with Johnny Menzel. But the thing that he has that's different than those guys is I don't think he has the same off the field issues. I don't think you have to worry about if you gave Zach Wilson a blank tape, whether or not he'd watch it. I mean, maybe the way he's playing that, that might be the case, but for everything you've heard of him, every time you hear him at the podium, he's not that guy. He's a guy who's overwhelmed, who was a, had a breakout year in Utah in front of no fans. And then he's the number one, two, number two overall pick to a, depressed franchise in the biggest media market in the NFL. And he was overwhelmed and he's, you know, hasn't panned out, but like, I don't know. I feel like, what do you think about it? You think, do you think they should trade him? You, you agree with Jay Glazer's report that they're, they're done with him. And I'm not saying he should even be the backup next year. I'm just saying third string. Why wouldn't you hang on to him? Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see how it plays out. The The cap is a big part of it because it's not, not cheap to do any of that, to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, you're, That's the main. You know, thing. If you trade them, you're taking on most of that money, if not all of it. So, um, it's more so: is it worth that? Because you know, if you do keep him, like you said, he's you know maybe not even the backup, maybe just like a third string project kind of guy you're keeping around. Yeah. So you know, is you know, would you want to avoid that cap hit for that? Is that worth the distraction and kind of having him lingering? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Is it much of they... a distraction? It's not like he's going to go and start elsewhere. And he, yeah. I mean, maybe he causes a stink. I just don't see it. I mean, I, I just feel like, I feel like he almost after this game was like, please send me back to the bench. <laughs> like, you know, he's not ready. I don't know. I feel like next year it's going to be like Mike White competing with, I don't know, like guard with Gardner Minshew for the starting job. And then you have Zach Wilson just lingering in training camp. And then maybe, maybe in 2024 you get, or maybe Zach Wilson has a good preseason and they trade him or something and get a little bit more. But it's like Joe Douglas has never, he's a measured decision maker and he's never going to trade somebody with the type of potential that Zach has at his lowest value. You know, like you couldn't get by sitting Zach Wilson for an entire year, his trade value would be higher next year. You know, because somebody without right. seeing Zach Wilson, he, his him sucking is fresh in our mind. But if you send him to the bench for a year, some team will start watching that BYU film. We haven't seen him for enough that some team would convince themselves that they can fix him. So it's like they're going to – I think they'll hang on to him. I know this is – we're in like playoff week and we're talking about offseason decisions. But, you know, I saw that Jay, Jay Glazer report and I just think they're done with him in terms of oh, he's not starting next year and he's maybe he's not even in their future plans. But yeah. let's talk about that in the future. Yeah. All right. You want to move yeah. on? Let's move right, on. We can move on. All right. Uh, any other notes from that Jags game? What do you think about the defense? Do you think you think the defense is – it's weird because it feels like they aren't playing that well, and then you go look at the total numbers and the points that they've allowed, and it really hasn't – I mean, yeah. it's not like they're allowing that much. So what do you think about the D? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a middle ground in there because, like you said, at the end of the day, you know, these last two offenses they played are two of the hottest offenses recently in the league, and Detroit is a – top five offense on the year and the game ends and Detroit is 20 points on the board. Seven of that is a punt return. Three was off of a turnover. So the defense really only gave up 10 points in that Lions game. Obviously they had the terrible play at the end. We all know how bad that was, but 
prior to that, they gave up a field goal. That's it. So, yeah. you know, whether that mistake was at the end, I, it sucks that it was at the end, but whether it was then or earlier, if I told you the defense would basically give up 10 points to the Lions, I think everyone would have signed up for that. And you would have thought, hey, offense, go out there, score more than score enough points to win with that. Score 11. The, score 11 against the 31st ranked defense and special teams don't choke. And they couldn't do that. So, um, yeah, I, I think you look at that. And then the Jaguars, they were red hot. I mean, they put up, um, what, 34 against Dallas, if you take out their pick six, 36 against Tennessee. So, And then they go with 19 against the Jets. So the end results here are pretty darn good when you're looking at the points. I think it's just the, the lack of ability to get tur- two things, turnovers and quick stops, because the yards are still there for Detroit and Jacksonville these last two games. So the offense has kind of been backed up. The defense hasn't gotten off the field quickly, but gotten those three and outs. Um, and then obviously the turnovers are still an issue. And look, Quinnen made the huge sack to start this one off, but you know, still just the one takeaway. And then you had a bunch of games, with no takeaways prior to that. So I think the lack of takeaways and, you know, sometimes the defense these past few weeks hasn't been as dominant getting off the field quickly like they were earlier in the season. And, you know, the Packers game, Broncos, Dolphins, even that uh, really either of those Patriots games, you know, quick stops, they were dominant. Um, past few games, maybe giving up some more drives than you would like, but right. ultimately the points you're giving up, considering some of this competition, is really, really solid. Other than the Vikings game, you know, 27 points, they had three pretty bad drives in that game, but Bills, 20 on the road, Lions, like I said, basically 10 points, Jaguars, 19 you sign up for that every single time, even with no turnovers. I think you would always take that. So um, they're not playing as great as they're capable of or, or were earlier in the season, but uh, still playing really good football. And I think it just kind of gets highlighted more because the offense is so bad. So they are capable of better. And there are yeah things that have taken a step back, but uh, they're still playing solid. It's just they set such a high elite standard earlier this season that when they're good, it feels like, a step back like if they played these past few games last year or any of the previous few seasons it would be the gold standard for that season but now it's the the bottom of what they've done right so, well the, i think yeah. the thing is is they they allow yards which we've said yeah. i mean that they going into the season you were like best case scenario this is a bend but don't break defense they're gonna allow yards they'll allow some first downs they might allow some ball control but they're gonna hold in the red zone and that's kind of what you've seen. I mean, I think offenses yeah. have had success exploiting the Jets underneath because they play that shell coverage, because they play over the top, and because, let's be honest, their linebackers and pass coverage and their safeties and pass coverage aren't elite. I mean, especially compared to these corners. So that underneath stuff works. But then you get into the red zone, uh, and look, I mean, it's not like the, I mean, the Jaguars had that 95-yard touchdown drive or whatever, but you get in the red zone against these other teams, and it's the success rate isn't the same, and the quarterback needs to hold the ball longer to, to find the open guys, and that's when you're you're hoping your D line uh, closes. I will say, I, I feels like they they need somebody other than Quinn on that defensive line though to really be, yeah, you know, carrying their weight because Quinn's unbelievable. But even when he went out against the Lions, I mean, that defensive line didn't didn't look like the type of defensive line we've been talking it up to be because the way we've been talking about it, it's like, all right, well, you got the best or if not the best, certainly playing like one of the best, if not the best defensive tackle in football. That was an interesting way of phrasing it. But 
we got him, and then you think, okay, well, they have a bunch of other great guys in the defensive line, and yeah, losing Quinton will hurt, but they should still be able to get sacks. They should still be able to get pressures, and you, they weren't really able to. And, you know, you look at the Niners, it's like, yeah, they have Bosa, but they also had Armstead. They also had DeForest Bunk, uh, Buckner. That You know, they drafted Javon Kinlaw. They, you know, this defensive line is is deep and has some good players, but there's not really that guy next to Quinn and that's stepping up. And it, the attention goes to Carl Lawson because that's who's paid to be that. And he hasn't really been it. John Franklin Myers is another guy who I actually think has been pretty good um, this season. I've actually been a fan of w- what he's done. Um, but somebody needs to perform above and beyond expectations, you know? And maybe that'll be in the offseason when they replace Carl. But, man, it would be nice to see if Jermaine Johnson could do something these last two games or if JFM could really be playing at that high level or even Rankins or just somebody to help take that pressure off Quinnen. Um, because a lot of their, their sacks this year are covered sacks, you know, right. how many, yeah. how many, how many one V one great pass rush reps besides Bryce Huff have their sacks ever been? Yeah. Outside of him and Quinnen, it's pretty rare. Most of, most of the ones that are not one of those two guys, you know, stunts, coverage sacks, stuff like that. I bet you, I bet you, if we looked at it, like sauce Gardner leads the jets and sacks behind yeah. Quinnen Williams. Yeah. <laughs> like if you go and look at the coverage on these sacks, it, most of them are because the DBs are doing their job. So that's definitely something for the offseason. But these last two games, they need they have the talent. You know, even if it's give Bryce Huff more reps. I don't know why we haven't seen him. He can't be that putrid against the run that you're not going to play him on a second and, and 10. Right. Like, I'm not saying he has to play every first down. But the fact that we literally only see him on third downs. It's like, why don't we see him in more first and second down and long yeah. situations? I agree that I think that's a change that it definitely next season, but even these last two games right now, he's on the line right now. <laughs> Fuck next season. They're fighting I mean, for the playoffs. Yeah. You just played a, you know, I mean, it, we thought it was a do or die game, but obviously not, but you know, huge game against the Jaguars last week. Bryce Huff plays six snaps. This is your, let's say second best pass rusher on the team. Um, you know, maybe easily they just, the best maybe... edge rusher, but um, only six snaps. Wow. Like, well, they got to pay know, him next they got to yeah. pay him in the offseason, so maybe they're worried if they they pay, they play him too yeah, much. Try there. to hide him a little bit, yeah. Get his contract <laughs> down, maybe a genius move. But um, but yeah, I mean, we saw him play a you know not full time role, but not this strict third down role the last two seasons where you know he would play rundowns. And look, he wasn't a great run defender by any means, but he wasn't so bad to where I would say, look, we can only play this guy if it's a pass situation. He yeah. by no means can be he on gets the field. Pancaked. Every in a run situation, a run. just literally every run play, he's on the ground. Like he wasn't close to that bad. He was below average, but it's like I'll deal with some Bryce Huff on the field for run plays if I can have him on the field for twice as many passing plays for more than six right. passing plays in a in a right. crucial game. So, um, so yeah, I would with the way Carl's playing, like let's maybe and maybe it can help him too if he's playing fewer reps and he could have more juice when he's on the field because you know he's you. playing Look a lot. Look at you saying that. Look at and, you saying uh, that. What a flip of the script from the beginning of the season. What a flip, yeah. I mean, we were just talking about him playing more at the beginning, and now here we are. But uh, At the end, gotta, we're talking about yeah, we real snaps back. We need him fresh. Yeah, we got to adjust adjust based on what happens. Uh, I mean, Lawson, I'm actually looking at it here, did play a season low 46% in this Jaguars game, so maybe we are, we are trending in that direction a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think more Bryce Huff, ha- however you can do it, is a, something that could be beneficial here down the stretch. He's way too effective to be limited this much. Just 
deal with the run defense. I don't know how bad they think he is in the run game, but just deal with it and get more pass rush reps out of this guy. He's too good for a small handful of reps per game. The other issue with this team that I don't know if we've really talked about enough is the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, man, can they not create any push in the run game at all? And the, I guess the one, I don't know if it's going to change anything in terms of their lineup, but the one interesting piece of news was Cedric Ogwehi off of IR, full participant. We'll see if he's elevated. I don't know if they would. What, what do you think about that? Do you think they consider any of these changes on the O-line? They have uh, LDT on, on the bench too. Like, Do they take either Herbig or Lakin out? Do they try to insert Agwehi and, and take out Fant or, or Dwayne Brown? I mean, do they think they make any moves here? Because they can't get a yard when they try running. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean tackles, I think I would stick with the tackles. I don't yeah. think Agwehi would be too much. He had some moments against the Bills, run blocking or whatever, but you know, he's a scrappy backup. George yeah. Fant, I think, is he's just better been up depth. and down. You know, he's, it's good to have him for depth, but I wouldn't change the tackles but inside is where i'm more curious about a potential change would you consider getting ldt in there whether it's herbig or tomlinson because herbig's been very bad recently and tomlinson has just been embarrassing all season so would you consider ldt it's tough i think i would though because i feel like the jets interior i don't know but i i think i would i'm just deciding which one i would take out yeah, LDT, you know, played, LDT played next to McGovern last year, so there is and in this game. So he was he was at he was right guard, guard right? Was he right guard or left? He was right, right guard because AVT was yeah. left. Yeah, he was right yeah. guard. Yeah, maybe I would, but maybe put I, him I'll, in for Herbig, get him back in the comfortable spot. Although I would like to see accountability with Tomlinson because it, it's just embarrassing. Who's like been worse of, in your eyes, Her, Herbig or Tomlinson? Because I would just put him in for whoever's worse. Because I would they say. Can, yeah, full body of work this season, I would say Tomlinson, but recently Herbig. Because, you know, Herbig had some good games earlier. You know, we were yeah. giving him a lot of praise, and he deserved it. He's playing good. But last couple games, at least, Herbig's the, been very the thing bad. That's, the thing that's tough with Tomlinson is the only thing that he has going for him is that he's a veteran, that he's won a Super Bowl, that he's been on these deep right. playoff runs. Not that that should matter for too much, but in know, terms but it's of— just like, is he leading as well as we thought? Not to no, you know, I'm just insinuate this stuff too much, but it's like you're on Twitter asking for Pro Bowl votes with your highlights yeah. when there are countless plays out here of you letting unblocked guys crush your quarterback's right. ribs. So, like, I don't know. Is He's got a good agent. Best? Is that the best look? He's Not got a sure. good agent. I just think that, yeah, I guess you could – I mean, Herbig is intriguing to me. He's only 24. I know he's not a perfect scheme fit, but these schemes, this outside zone system – usually accounts for one of the guards being more of that mauler type. And it seems like right now they have two maulers yeah, and they need yeah. somebody with a little bit more agility who can, who can get around on those trap runs and who can, they can play around with a little bit more. And it feels like they both aren't athletic enough to really run the system that they're trying to run. So maybe, yeah, you put in, um, put an LD, did LDT play next to Fant at all last year. He did. Fant was in for some of those games. Yeah, so yeah, I guess I would. Do I guess that. if you put him at right guard, you know, he's right back with two guys. He, he played I, last see, year. Could do that. That's the thing. I would almost want to say put him at right guard and put Herbig at left guard and bench Tomlinson. But I don't think Herbig's ever played left guard. I think he's only been a right guard. And to do that yeah, right we'll at the end of the season, real quick. I think you're right. I'm pretty sure I looked it up. I, I'm pretty sure he hasn't. So, um, yeah, I guess I would go LDT and put Herbig on the. It just feels like oh, 2020 right, like, the Eagles. He played some left guard. So I guess. All right, yeah, fuck it. Sorry, Lakin. <laughs> all right, that's what <laughs> we're doing. 
Yeah, LDT that's what we're right guard, Herbig left guard, Thompson takes. What about it. LDT? Has LDT played left guard? I guess it doesn't matter. Which, you know, Let's check on him. You know, uh, but I, but I think that is a good plan because I don't know. It's just it's tough because you you want to get some continuity going. We talk about that so much with O line, and now you are starting to get some of it. You know, not good. It's getting worse, but um, at least that it's the same unit, and they're veteran guys too who should be able to do this. You know, four of these guys are high price free agents, so you don't want to mess with it. But the offensive line is playing terribly. The run game creates zero yardage before contact, and that's an actual fact. They had zero the running backs had zero yards before contact against Detroit, against Jacksonville, they had one yard before contact. That cannot happen. Um and I know you know one thing that will help is you know Zach Wilson playing. Teams are playing true. very disrespectfully. They're loading the box one high and it's tough to run against it with some of these looks that they've seen. Even Robert Sala kind of they asked him about it and he he admitted it. So that will help, but it doesn't excuse being putrid to this degree so um you like that continuity but it's just not working so what, what did maybe you, what did you, changing it up would be different what did you think of ldt last year i i like the way he played i thought he fit good in the run scheme and you know they had some good running games down the stretch there you know with michael carter he had some big games uh even ty johnson had his moments i thought he fit really good in the scheme i like the way he played you know you remember we were talking about him maybe Sliding in as a starter, keeping that yeah, spot. That's yeah for the for the next season. Um, I like the way he played, so you know maybe maybe let's do it if they think he's in good shape and yeah. has scheme familiarity. So wait, and he's been now he's been in practice for over a month. Yeah, so I think you could actually make that switch. I, I really do wonder if they would after the long week. I wonder if we'll see LDT out there. In fact, that'll be my random prediction. I mean, I'll have a few. I'll say LDT. Oh, by the way, he's, lineup. Uh, he's never played left guard. Yeah, right I think they'll, I think they'll put him at right guard because the other thing too is. Herbig, 24, you can re-sign him. Tomlinson, I think they're I – mean, I, do you think they're, I think they're probably out on Tomlinson after this year. They have to eat some some yeah. dead cap, though, if they do it. It's, it makes yeah. more sense from a money perspective to wait another year, but they can free right. up uh, – they can free up enough to sign somebody who would perform better than he's performing right now. So Yes, it's definitely to a tough like one cap-wise. Um, what do they have to eat, eat if they cut 8. him? 8.8, yeah. yeah. And then if you do what it post, what they free? post June first, it would be uh, split over two years. So half of that this four point three this year, four point three twenty four, and the cap savings thirteen point one million. So you know it's it's a lot of money to pay a guy to not be on the team, but you know you're still freeing up thirteen million, saving a money that you could sign a guy could probably play better in that role. Yeah, thirteen so, million is not nothing. So we'll see if they do it. I would I would do it. Wait, so but, his um, cap hit is. He's like damn near twenty million, or what is it? What is his cap hit next year? Yeah, seventeen point four. Seventeen million, seventeen point four million. It's a really backloaded deal. He only had a five point four cap hit this year. Jesus. Uh, Next two years, seventeen point four, seventeen point three. So I don't know. I don't think you could justify that cap number. The thing is, is that he. I mean, I know we talked about like when we were looking at the guard options. We oh well, James Daniels is more athletic and could fit the scheme. But it's like the fact that Tomlinson was literally in this blocking system, right? Winning Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl, winning multiple playoff games. It can't just all be because he was playing next to Trent yeah. Williams. I yeah, mean, no, I mean he was I mean, a good, that, damn good player. Like right, yeah. It's, it's we saw puzzling. him go one on one with Aaron Donald. Like we did. What I mean, maybe he's fighting. That's the thing is, then after the season, you'll it'll come out that he's playing with, you know, one arm the entire year. And that's why yeah. he struggled or 
I mean, you never know what these guys are but dealing with. Even like, that's the, the thing, because it, it's like, I don't see anything physical. It's like, you're just not blocking people. Well, it's, you, it's never, all you don't mental. know. You can't see everything. Well, but yeah, but maybe he's, if he has a problem with his knee, you, you wouldn't really be able to tell unless he was limping. Well, sure, but like, you know, most of the plays we're spotlighting with him being bad is him just letting unblocked people run by. The communication on the O-line is is crazy bad at times. Yeah. And I don't know if that's QB. I don't know if that's center. I don't know if that's John Benton, the O-line coach, or Lafleur. But way too many times is there a guy just screaming right up the A-gap, unblocked, or off the tap. I mean, like, you'll face times where it's like, okay, they're sending six guys. You got five blockers. Somebody's coming free. But how many times have we seen this season? I mean, look at the hit that Mike White nearly died on. Is there just blatant miscommunication right up the middle? Yeah, it's been bad. So it's hard to figure out. And you never want to just, you know, insinuate lack of effort or things like that. And and maybe I'm wrong, but it's just when you narrow it down, it's like it doesn't seem like he's injured. Maybe he is. We don't know. Um, He's a scheme fit. He's a veteran, all this stuff. The only way you could kind of explain that kind of, you know, those mental lapses like, you know, is, is he fully bought in? You know, I don't know. So it's definitely the most disappointing signing of this offseason, and I think it's on a Tremaine Johnson level. It's, it's getting to that point. What do you think about the uh, the tight ends? Because it, yeah, like, it feels like we were sold that they were going to use him a lot more, and it's, Uzama's getting involved a little bit. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting week for it because, and we talked about this with the Jags too, how they had one of the worst tight end defenses, and, I mean, they didn't take advantage of it statistically, but, you know, there was Uzama sitting there, ready for an 80-yard touchdown, but Tebow missed him. Um, Tebow. You know, I think this is this Seahawks defense is another opportunity to to do that because they're another low-ranked tight end team. They've actually, between tight ends and running backs, given up the most receiving yards to those two positions combined. They're top three worst in both. Um, so they, their linebackers and coverage are the second worst in terms of yards per cover snap. So, this is another opportunity to get that underneath game going with your linebackers and your uh, with your tight ends and your running backs. And um, I really think they can use these guys better because Uzama feels like every time he gets targeted, he comes through and, you know, he's caught 18 of his 20 targets this year. And a lot of those are really good catches. I mean, the Detroit touchdown, the first one, um, that Vikings catch he had yeah. up the scene, that's a really nice over the shoulder catch. Uh, some of the, yak plays he's made you know he's he made, made good some plays. big plays and he made some big plays down the stretch for the Bengals too yeah led that you know big part of that run for the Bengals. so you know he's a talented guy he's not a separator really but you know he with the ball in his hands and at the catch point can do some stuff and so maybe i would like to see more of him and the seahawks have given up the most yak per reception to tight end so that's this oh, is a really good opportunity to, to get some greens to Uzama, get some drags, crossers, allow this guy to make some plays with the ball in his hands because the Seahawks are susceptible to it. And then Conklin, you know, he's gotten the volume this year. He's gotten plenty of targets, um, about five per game. I think he has 77 targets this season. Um, so plenty of targets, but too many of those are just, you know, checking the ball down to him. He doesn't, he's capable of doing more than that. He can run routes. I mean, look at those two touchdowns he had against the Patriots in the, the MetLife game. Like those are really slick routes that not a lot of tight ends can run in terms of just being able to create their own separation like that. Um, why haven't we seen more of that in the red zone and less of Braxton Berrios? That confuses me. So I'd like to see more of that. Seahawks, like I said, linebackers struggle in coverage. So let's find ways to get Conklin isolated on him. 
allow him to use that rocker step that um, he was so good at using with the Vikings, just squaring a guy up, faking one way, coming back inside uh, or outside. Either way, we've seen him do both. Um, just not enough of the Conklin route running. So I think they could use these tight ends better, and this is a good game to break that I, out. I texted you this, and I don't think you responded, so I don't know if you agreed with me. But <laughs> it feels like LaFleur could do a much better job of putting his guys in the best situation to win. And individually, and I guess that was a bad one. The, the way I mean is like we talked about when, when they were bringing in Salah, that malleability of like building yeah. a scheme around the players that you have. Right. And it's been, again, like Gase, it was like, no, this is our offense and we're looking for these types of guys. And, and you know, I, I don't hate that. Like I like that they have a vision. They, they have an identity. They know what they want to be. But when you have all these playmakers, and especially playmakers who aren't really getting involved, it feels like, okay, we should drop some plays that, are what, you know, utilize what these guys are good at. You know, it feels like Elijah Moore should be getting, uh, uh, you know, a few bubble screens or something. Get the ball in his hands in open space. I, the same goes for Garrett Wilson. I mean, I know maybe they don't want to give him the injury risk, but Garrett Wilson has an elite yak ability or, you know, rack, I guess, if he's getting handoffs. But it's like, we don't see any handoffs or end arounds to Garrett Wilson anymore now that he's not in the slot because that's the job of the slot receiver. It's like, we don't see any receiver screens really to Garrett. And then it's like, yeah, with Conklin or Uzama or these running backs, it's like, it feels like, I mean, do you agree with me that they could do a better job of designing the offense around the players than the other way around? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, And, you know, like you said, it's good that there's been the roster construction to make sure they're building it around scheme because you want that, you know, that balance to where, you know, you're building, adjusting to your players, but you also have an idea of what you want to do and you build your roster around that. So you want to find that balance. Maybe right now it's a little bit too leaning towards the, you know, we have our scheme and we got the guys we think who can run it well, and we're just going to run it. So I think there can be more leaning towards that, you know, with some of the stuff I mentioned with the tight ends. But another thing, and I did an article about this at JetX recently, is way too much of the empty formations. It feels like we've yeah. been seeing that all year, and so I decided to look into it. And on Next Gen Stats, according to their tracking, the Jets do run the most empty formations in the league, over 14% of their plays, which is a lot relative to the average, which is a little bit over 8%. Especially when you have a bad O-line um, and a quarterback yeah, exactly. struggles like, to make decisions under yeah, pressure. When you're going to go empty, like that's you know, you're taking out the unpredictability aspect. It's like, okay, we are passing the ball. Try to stop us. And if you're going to do that, you have to be a really talented team to just simply outplay the other, outplay the defense without that unpredictability aspect. Um, I don't think the Jets are that kind of team right now, even when Mike White is in there. So it feels like there's too much of that. Like, I think you need that unpredictability I'm curious, aspect. I'm curious to know what, what the concept is. When they go empty, what, I don't know if you have this, but what concepts are they normally running? Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't tell, tell you, you that for head, sure. But it, yeah. it doesn't feel like they because the benefit of going empty is that you spread them out, you space out that right. defense. You know, you you force an obvious mismatch. Um, it doesn't feel like the Jets utilize that extra space though. But I mean, that's all hypothetical because I'm trying to think of an example of that they went empty. Feels like I mean, they definitely throw that. I know there was that Miami play, the game we went to when they threw the deep ball. I forget exactly who it was to, but. You remember that one on fourth and one? Um, oh, yeah, shot. they went yeah. empty on fourth and one. Oh, geez. Is it Conklin? Do you think LaFleur yeah. – I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's a good 
offensive coordinator, but not a great offensive coordinator. Yeah. And we've had a lot of really bad offensive coordinators. So there's times where I'm like, wow, what a genius. And also he's had terrible quarterback play. So maybe if you get Mike white for these next few games, we'll all be singing the floor's praises because he does get guys open, but it does feel like there's some boneheaded decisions on those third and fourth and shorts. And then some of the stuff we were talking about, it's like, all right, I don't know if he's head coaching material, at least not yet. Not even close. No, he's not head coach yet. I mean, I think he's an average offensive coordinator. I mean, because on one hand, they're, they're the concerns we talked about, you know, not maximizing the talent too well, um, you know, building more to the scheme than the players. Uh, predictability. Like the predictability, like over overly creative sometimes in the red zone, um, things like that. And then, you know, overthinking it on these third and shorts, stuff like that. So there are issues for sure. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you look at what the offense has done and then compare it to what it potentially could have done if it had an average quarterback this year just executing some of these open throws. It would it would look a lot better. So I think yeah. where there's feels like sort of, it, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well it feels like they've lost some of the creativity they had last year. Like we haven't seen the same yeah. level of trick plays. We don't see nearly the same level of like misdirection. Doesn't I I don't know. It just feels the offense feels predictable and anemic. Every time I watch them, it's like, oh first and ten, toss right. Second right. and ten, run up the middle or play action. You know, and third down, and that was the other thing about Thursday is they were in these horrific second and third and long situations all day. They yeah. couldn't have any success on first down, and I think that falls on the offensive coordinator. I mean, obviously that the quarterback, but it's like a little of that falls on on the floor. A lot of it falls on the floor. I mean, the fact that they were in these horrible situations the entire game and they didn't really have any plays on second down to to put them in better third down situations either. They, you know, they could be in a second eighteen and get to a third and twelve, then you're still in a third and twelve. I don't know. Um, I, I think they do play for third down a little too much. You know, like it doesn't feel like if first down doesn't lead to something great, it feels like second down is always let's make third down shorter instead of let's try to move the chains on one of these first two downs. Right. I feel like that's something they can be better at, especially when they are so bad at third down. It's not like you're confident that's going to work anyway. So, I mean, you're right. So there are a lot of first down disasters in this game. I'm looking at them now. The first drive after the turnover was that read option Wilson did that went nowhere. Um, then the next drive was, I think it was just a busted play he threw away. So there were some third down messes in this one too. I, I think overall he's average. I think the disconnect is kind of like, in, in terms of what you know some fans might think that are critical of him versus what I think he's bringing to the table is a lot of just the bread and butter stuff, just you know down to down scheming, getting guys open. I think there's a lot more open that than people have realized because of the quarterback play, but at the same time, there are ways he could be better. So um, two games here. Let's see what he can do against against two defenses that have struggled. So let's see. Uh, right. And he's got Mike White back, so let's see what he's got. All right, well, let's really get into the Seahawks preview here. I know we've kind of been alluding to it and talking about it, but obviously a uh, big game this Sunday. Seahawks defense, Jets offense. Let's start there. They get Mike White back. I mean, what do you think they try to do to attack this this Seattle defense, which you know looks similar to the Jets defense? They obviously they run things differently, but Salah comes from that Seattle Legion of Boom um, tree, and so you see some of the same looks, but different. So when you went back and watched this Seattle defense, I mean, what did you see from them, and how do you think that Lafleur and, and Mike White will try to attack them? Yeah, I, I think. You know, the first thing you think of when you think of the Seahawks defense this year is obviously 
Tariq Woolen and the season he's had. Obviously, Jets fans have engaged in plenty of arguments about him with Sauce Gardner, but, uh, you know, they're, Sauce is better, but they're both great. Um, but yeah, he's had a good <laughs> season, but on the other side, I, you have um, Michael Jackson as their other starting corner, and he hasn't he- been great this yep yep uh he, he hasn't been great this year so i think you have an opportunity to isolate garrett against him because the seahawks do what the jets do they don't move their corners around they stay in the same side woolen is on the left like sauce and jackson's on the right so i would isolate garrett against him as much as possible and garrett usually does lean towards that side of the field anyway so isolate him and then hopefully you can get some safety help shaded over there um which the Seahawks do do a lot of, they run a lot of uh, cover six, you know, with quarter, quarter, half in the back. So shade some help over to that uh, side of the field where it's needed against the better receiver. Then I think you can get isolate one and some one-on-ones because he's a great ball hawk, but he's also near the top of the league and yards per reception allowed penalties, touchdowns, all these things. So he's kind of a boomer bust corner. So if you can get Garrett to be successful, against Jackson on the other side. I think you could shade some help over there and then get some good matchups for Elijah Moore and Corey Davis against Woolen on the other side against a boomer bust corner who's going to take his chances. Maybe he picks one off this game, but you're also going to get some opportunities to beat him deep as well. So uh, that's where I look in the passing game. Then also, like I, like I mentioned, the tight ends and running backs definitely look their way in this game. Get Uzama some screens crossers drags allow him to make plays in space give conklin some route running opportunities give give bam knight the ball and passing and give knight the ball and i think this is is definitely a game where you i think you could see something like that Bengals game last year just dumping it off to the running backs and um and watching them make plays because it's a softer defense more conservative they'll give you those dump offs the seahawks give up the most yak perception on running back receptions behind the line of scrimmage so that's exactly what you want to see that's why that's why you listen to this podcast right here. that Bengals game so perfect um, i mean that's great for mike white we saw he can do that he can operate that that type of offense uh i also like you said i mean i think they're really going to key in on on garrett wilson who wouldn't and having Corey davis back i know we didn't really see it too much last week and he had that bad drop um but he's huge for this offense in a number of ways obviously the run blocking i think i mean the jets keep trying to run these these outside zone pitch plays and it's not really working but being able to run behind Corey davis but then also like yeah if the defense is going to key in on garrett i really like the opportunity for Corey davis to have one of those games where it's like you know seven catches just you know a consistent uh number one target for the jets i I think this is the type of game where Corey davis could lead the jets in targets because they're going to key in on garrett wilson obviously you're going to give the running backs plenty of of throws as well but Corey's that guy that z receiver where i just feel like going up against michael jackson those those little 10 15 yard dig routes that they like to run on those third down situations i mean this is a Corey davis game as well um i mean i think that uh the one thing to to fear a little bit is this o-line I mean, right. Mike White's ribs are healthy enough for him to get cleared. We don't know which doctor cleared him, but, you know, you don't want him taking hits. I mean, let's just be honest here. If he goes down in this game, not feeling great about the Jets beating Miami the next week. Um, so they have to keep Mike White up and healthy, and they have to be able to run the ball a little bit so they're not as one-dimensional. Um, how do you feel about this, this Seahawks defensive line? I know they haven't been very good stopping the run, um, but, you know, they get off to the pass a little bit. They got some good, not great. Uh, Ed Rushers and Daryl Taylor and Wosu and they got Bruce Irvin back there. It's crazy that he's still in the league at this point. 
Um, yeah, what do you feel about that that Seattle uh, pass rush? I mean, do we have to worry about Mike Reb, uh, Mike White's ribs? Well, yeah, I think it's a it's it's like a middle of the pack pass rush. Definitely not bad. Um, but I mean, there's there's no team this year that has been um, no team the Jets have faced this year that they've been good enough to consider a mismatch. You know, a team that they should be able to block up well because really everyone has caused problems for them except maybe the Bears game, you know, and they're the worst pass rush in the league. But other than that, I mean, uh, and, and they've had some good games, but, uh, you know, they had trouble with some lines this year that they should be able to handle. And so the Seahawks are definitely not a team they should sleep on. Um, Nwosu has turned into a really good player. Uh, he's got nine sacks. Yeah, nine sacks this year. So uh, they do have some weapons on the D-line. It's not a slouch D-line or – and the Jets' offensive line is not good to sleep on anyone at this point, so got to block it up better. And I'm interested interested to see how they approach blocking it up because, like you said, protecting Mike White so important right now. Because you know, yes, he's cleared, but do we know for sure if he's hundred percent able to take these big hits? We don't really know that, or how he'll respond to them. So you really want to prioritize keeping yeah. him healthy. So I, well, you know, and we, I think yeah. And I think that lends itself to that quick passing game because I don't think right, they yeah, want him yeah, taking that's, that's five, seven-step like, drops. You know, like we said about the tight ends and the running backs, you know, feature them in the passing game, but also, you know, maybe play more 12 personnel, allow them uh, to stay in there and block occasionally if they're not going to be running routes. You know, really try to get as much protection in there as you can. All right, let's flip sides. Gino, the revenge game. He has been pretty damn good this season, although the last few weeks he's cooled off. Uh, and he is the type of quarterback when we were watching and we were talking about how, you know, the quarterbacks that have had success against this Jets defense are the ones that are willing to just take what the defense gives them, that aren't trying to challenge uh, Sauce and, and DJ Reed down the field. But, you know, they're okay taking that little three-yard check down and dinking and dunking and death by a million paper cuts. And Geno Smith has done that this year. Obviously, he has DK Metcalf and uh, a one-handed Tyler Lockett that apparently will be playing in this game. Um, but the, the key for Gino this year is that he's been taking what the defense gives him. Uh, and it's another one of those matchups. So I do expect Gino to be able to move the ball. I mean, I think, look, he, him and Pete both, I guess, have some animosity towards, towards New York for whatever reason. But honestly, I understand Pete a little bit more than, than Gino. Um, but I, I kind of see Gino having a good game because he takes what the defense gives him. I mean, you look at his passing charts, you're looking at it at the start of this game and it's just like at the start of this podcast and, the amount of passes this guy has from the line of scrimmage to 10 yards every single game, um, not a lot over the middle in the, against the, that we looked at the, the one against the Niners and nothing over the middle. So he was just attacking the flats all day against the Niners, which run very similar style of defense. And I expect you uh, to see that against the Jets on Sunday. When they go to those cover four looks, it's like, you, you know, Sauce and Reed are bailing deep. And so to cover the flats, you're going to have those, uh, you, you need either Quan or Quincy or, maybe Carter, just depending on what personnel you're in. You need somebody from the middle of the field to run to the sideline. So that's a free right. three, five yards every time. And if you have a guy who can break tackles um, in those situations too, you can pick up first. So I, I expect to see a lot of passes short to the outside in this one. But outside of that, Michael, I mean, how do we feel about Gino? Let's start with him. We can get to the run game a little bit later. Um, I mean, obviously the, the key to success for the Jets defense this year uh, has been against offenses who have great receivers because it seems like they try to test the Jets corners. And when they do that, good things happen for the Jets. 
And so they have Tyler Lockett, they had DK Metcalf. Hey, maybe an angry and emotional Geno Smith's a good thing. It's like it's like boxing. You have that over emotional fighter who's trying to land that big overhand right, and you got that calm, cool counter striker. I mean, that, that emotional fighter is going to get knocked out every time. So maybe if Geno's going for for big touchdowns to DK Metcalf, maybe we'll get some some interceptions. We'll get some of the uh, 2014 Geno. Um, but how do you feel about the Seahawks passing offense? I mean, it's it's been it's been good all year, but it's Jets defense has as well. Yeah, I've I've been impressed with Gino this year. It's like I feel like anytime I watch him, he really impresses. And you know, quarterbacks can put up numbers. We've seen a lot of random statistical seasons from veteran quarterbacks, but sometimes it's real, sometimes it's not. And when I watch Gino, I feel like it's it's real because some of the throws he makes are just money throws, or, or a lot of the throws he makes are just money yeah. throws into you know tight windows down the field. It's not like he's just racking up numbers here in a in an amazing situation. And the Seahawks do have a you know, good supporting cast. They have a young offensive line with some good pieces they've added. Obviously good receivers. Kenneth Walker has had a good season out of the backfield. So they do have a good supporting cast, but it's not like he's just being carried to these numbers. He's really executing what they're calling and making great throws to earn some of this production. So he's impressive. He's a good quarterback. I think he deserves his Pro Bowl nod this year, and he's – not someone the Jets should take lightly at all. So, um, but like you said, the last two games, you know, what has really killed the Jets? It's been that quick passing. It's been dialed up offense underneath, short. That's what Goff and Trevor Lawrence were doing to them for the most part to rack up all those yards. And Geno Smith will do that as well. That's part of why his completion percentage is so high. He leads the league right now, 71% in terms of his completion percentage. And um, a lot of that is his accuracy, but it's also a lot of, the throws that he's taking, which is those easy, quick throws. So he will take those uh, to try to beat you more so with a thousand paper cuts than with the downfield shots. But he he will hit those downfield shots occasionally, just at the right time. So uh, I think he is a good matchup to kind of replicate what Goff and Lawrence were able to do against this defense um, and some of the other quarterbacks that have played well against them, uh, such as Cincinnati and Baltimore, Baltimore earlier in the year. It was, you know, more so short, but then they took their shots when they needed to. So I think he is suited to do that. So the Jets really do have to create some pressure here and hopefully get those turnovers because that is one thing about Gino recently. He has been turning it over more frequently these past few games while they've been struggling. Uh, he's had a turnover in, I think, six of his last seven games. Definitely had has had some interceptions, a couple of fumbles lost. So he's been more susceptible to turnovers recently the Jets do need to tap into that because I think he will make his plays um so they got to be able to flip this game with some takeaways and and hey they got the one at the start of the game against the Jags and I was like oh yeah. finally they get the turnover and then not yeah. a single one after that yeah and that turnover even was like I didn't even know he fumbled it honestly I was celebrating the set I didn't realize that he had, that he caused the fumble until the Jets were like snapping the ball and I realized I was like oh wait he fumbled we get the start right in the red zone um so the it's like yeah they haven't been able to get and you raised that great point last week that a lot of turnovers come from uh strip sacks from the blind side which yeah carl lawson hasn't really been holding up that end of yeah the and i mean to be fair like that kind of was uh supported on a sack because lawson did have a good rush in that one that kind of contributed yeah. to making it happen he's it a was, good player we, sh- we shouldn't just shit yeah. on like he's a he's still a good player it's just yeah maybe not what you it was just that that was kind of his only play of the game that's kind of well, frustrating that's so yeah. like, like he, he's not a, a do nothing player. It's just, he kind of, 
he's kind of average in terms of how often he shows up. Like that was nice, but then he didn't do anything the rest of the game. But but that did show, you know, when you get that blindside pressure, it can make things happen because he had a good bull rush. It kind of prompted some movement from Lawrence. And then Quinn and Williams also happened to win on that same play. So you get him moving into Quinn and Williams, and that's how the turnover happened. So that complimentary pass rushing is something that uh, will lead to more turnovers and the Jets aren't getting as much of recently. Um, and that's why you're, you know, getting some pressure, preventing big plays, but also not getting turnovers because you really need that havoc, multiple guys winning to get those turnovers to happen. It happened on that play, but need it more frequently. All right. Um, you always have a good matchup on the O-line that the Jets could, should try to exploit. If you don't, I can stall while you quickly Google search for one. Is that what that typing is? <laughs> Uh, do we have a good well. matchup? You know me do, we well. have a, do we have a good matchup on the O line to exploit? Quickly look at their PFF they, grades. I'm they do have a good offensive line. Don't look at their PFF. I will say that. So I'm not going to. Well, their tackles yeah. have been. I mean, they flipped the tackles with two rookies. Yeah. You have to. I mean, look. I know. I know. We liked uh, Sauce is better than Tariq, but the Seahawks draft class versus the Jets draft class. I think the Jets still get the edge, but the Jets also had the advantage in where they're picking. The Seahawks draft class was amazing last year. Um, and the fact that they were able to get two great tackles uh, in that class. I mean, it's rare to even get Walker one. Walker actually did not practice on Wednesday. So that's I know. I was looking at their now. injury report. I mean, it, look, it's Wednesday. So they got two. The Friday is really the day to, to care about and pay attention to. But it was like, yeah, Noah Fant, Kenneth Walker. Uh, who else didn't practice? Uh, Nick Ballore, Jets legend. Marquise Goodwin, Travis Homer, Lockett, Abraham Lucas. I don't know. So they have some starters that didn't practice. So you yeah. imagine at least a couple of those guys might not play. Um, Jets, meanwhile, are fairly healthy. I mean, still stalling, Michael. So just hit me if you got something. But uh, Oh, yeah. Um, I did find one guy. So Charles Cross at left tackle. You found one guy. The, yeah, the, the guy they took at number nine. <laughs> Let's well, I know numbers. their offensive line is just trying to hear the, see the numbers. So he's given up 42 pressures this year. That is the fifth most among all tackles, third most among left tackles. So Carl Lawson, here you go. Another left tackle for you to beat up. I mean, at this point, it's hard to be optimistic because, you know, he had Walker Little this week, the backup for the Jaguars, and he couldn't really take advantage of it besides that one play. So um, you never really know with Lawson, I guess, if he's going to take advantage of these mismatches, but got another one here. Charles Cross has given up some pressure this year. So, um Better late than ever for Carl Lawson. All right. I'm glad you finally you gave us one matchup. Let's do Michael. We do it off a preview podcast where the Jets are better. Let's start. With Mike White, this is this is a competition quarterback. Now it's interesting. Now I feel like I want to say Mike White, but we've only seen him for three games. So it feels like right. you can't say that. And Gino is a pro bowler this year. So Yeah. <sighs> Push. I guess Gino, based on sample size, Gino? right? Yeah, you know what? If, if I if I get, if I didn't give it, occasionally on the YouTube we'll get opposing fans that somehow listen to two hours. Somehow we'll get an hour into this, or or skip through and just randomly find it. I was getting trolled <laughs> by Jags fans on Twitter and Lions fans, and so yeah, Seahawks fan. Yeah, they, they I I think it was Lions. There were fans that were commenting about this this segment we do, and I was like, wait, there's. Lions fans listening to this? All right, yeah, so we'll try to be fair. getting 70 minutes into if this. If there's a Seahawks fan out there, we're going to try to do our best and be fair about this. 
but I'm pretty sure the Jets are going to win every single other position. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> running back, I give that to the Seahawks. So we, we did give the Seahawks quarterback, right? We'll give Seahawks quarterback. I mean, look, he's been a problem. I mean, I guess here, here's what I would say. I would say the three games that Mike White play this year are similarly good to what Geno's been this That's year. True. But just because of three games versus That's true. You know, Geno's played the whole season, definitely give it to Geno. That's, That's a good point. Yeah, But the way like, White played was good. So Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if he can and, replicate it. it. Right. Uh, running back, I'd give the Seahawks as well. Yeah. Uh, receiver, I would. This is tough. All right, I know some Seahawks. There's probably no yeah Seahawks, the Seahawks fans listening to this. Seahawks are, fans are like, what? How could you mentions. even the Garrett Wilson man? That's because I think Garrett Wilson's That's... the best receiver in this game. Can we say? I that? think so too. They definitely <sighs> close out DK. the podcast now. Yeah, they just yeah one star. <laughs> I mean, DK is is great, but the way that Gary Wilson is playing, I mean, that he looks like a guy who's going to be a top five receiver in this league. I mean, he's already top ten right now by pretty much every metric. He's top ten, and yeah. he did most of the season with, you know, not even half a quarterback. Right. So Garrett Wilson with Mike White, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore versus DK Metcalf, and Tyler Corey Davis with- gets a bad rap. He should have had so many catches in this last game. But he just yeah. kept getting missed. Oh, well, he had he had the bad drop too. Let's not forget that. He did have that, so um, let's not forget that. Tyler Lockett playing with stitches. Tyler in Lockett his, very in his good hand. though, but obviously up in the air. Metcalf's having a great season. No, it sounds like Lockett's going to play, but we'll go push. Let's go push. Should we be fair and give it to Seattle? Because that's a really good duo. Yeah, Both top I guess... twenty receiving yards right now. I don't think Jets can match. I just think the Jets receiver numbers are just skewed because of how horrible their quarterback play has been. But then you go back and you watch the film and you watch the routes that they're running or even the catches that they have made, and you know the talent that Garrett Wilson has. And it's just like, I would I would I take the Seahawks receiving room over the Jets right now? No, but you know maybe that's part of that's just because Garrett Wilson's twenty two years old and on a rookie contract. But all right, we'll, we'll go we'll go Seahawks. Fine. I, I don't actually. Jets agree. are going to clean up on the defense, so we could. That's true. That's true. We, we got to give them this. Make it a close fight. Um. All right. Tight end. Jets. Yeah. I mean, but they haven't really. It's not like they've gotten too much out of that position this year. But I agree. Uh, tackle. I give this one to the Seahawks, despite your in-depth scouting report on Charles Cross. Very in, very in depth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I give it to them. I I see a lot of good talk from the film accounts about the Seahawks tackles. So what about, what about interior of the offensive line? Let's, I would be really hard to Jets imagine. Do not deserve to give, Jets. The, give yeah. this over, over anybody. I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know too much about the Seahawks interior of their O line, but I find it hard to believe that they'll be worse than what the Jets have been at times this year. So I'll give yeah. that one to the Seahawks. As far as All right, I know, Michael, I don't, I don't mean to say anything. Don't think they're on that part. So we just we gave them the whole offense, this, right? We gave them the whole offense outside of tight end. Now the Jets got to clean up. All right. Edge rushers. And Jets. I don't mean to say anything. It's probably the Jets, but without Bryce Huff, it's close. But I'll yeah. go with the Jets. All right. Defense tackle, we already know the answer to that one. Jets. Linebacker. Here's the big question. Uh, Can you name one Seahawks Jets. linebacker? Yes, Jordan Brooks. Nice. All right. Well, it's still Jets then. Cornerback, Jets. Safety. Seahawks with Adams, I would say Jets. Seahawks without Adams, I might go Seahawks. <laughs> you think he's a negative? Yes, huge negative. 
Quandre Diggs, oh, though, so he's wish- definitely better than anything the Jets have. So I guess yeah. we'll give him that. Yeah, I'll go Seahawks then. I, I wish I could. Well, that would be, hold on. Maybe we can't do that because that would give the Seahawks, you know, if we're going to stick to our guns here, it gives the Seahawks six positions, quarterback, running back, receiver, tackle, interior offensive line, and safety. Jets five. And the Jets get five. But that receiver one, though, is that really? I mean. I we got to be fair. It's, it's, it's really 2v1 is how I see it. Lockett right. and Metcalf is a great duo. Like I like Corey Davis some more, but I don't think either of them kind of match the two way prowess that those two guys have. Um, okay, let's go predictions now. Best case what about special teams. Are we doing special teams? Oh, well that's man, I'll say one thing. Jet specials have not been that good this last oh, month. Seattle's number one in special teams DVR. Well, so yeah, we're let's we not do let's not do special yeah. teams. We're not yeah, doing special we have, teams. We don't need All to do right. that. Best case, worst case. <laughs> Um, do you want to start? Allow me to collect my thoughts on that a little bit. Okay. Um, best case scenario, this Jets defense creates some turnovers. I would say like two plus turnovers on Sunday. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what really starts for me is this defense has to create some plays. Um, but obviously, yeah, it's, it's Mike White coming in, playing a full game. And looking like the quarterback that, that we all know he, he's been this season. Um, I mean, there's not really much more to that. I mean, if Mike White comes in and plays like he has been playing and this Jets defense creates turnovers, that's best case scenario because the Jets are going to win this game. If the Jets, on the flip side of that, can't create any turnovers, aren't getting pressure on Geno, you know, Geno's hitting those little dink and dunks and maybe he's running a little bit and he's, you know, creating these long drives or they're controlling the ball and they're finishing in the red zone. And then you flip side and it's like, all right, Mike White is still competent. You know, he can go through his reads, but the O-line can't hold up. He's getting sacks. They're in these, you know, second and long situations all day. Then you're talking about worst case. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, turnovers, first down success on offense. Those are probably the two biggest keys, I would say. Creating some big plays in turnover, on, on defense. So I'd throw in sacks there, turnovers and sacks. And then on offense, first down success, because it's just been so bad for the Jets the last few weeks. What would you say? I mean, best case, worst case is pretty much just talking about the keys of the game. But yeah, I would say best case scenario I would say involves Mike White staying healthy, playing the same way he did in those previous two games, but the Jets do a better job of capitalizing on that play by doing the rest of by supporting him better. You know, just the rest of the offense stepping up and doing a better job of capitalizing on what he's doing because the last two games it, you know the level of play that he was giving wasn't reflected in the number of points the team had because they didn't finish in the red zone. They didn't run the ball. They didn't pass block. Well, uh, other players turned the ball over with fumbles. So stuff like that, no more turnovers from other players, um, better pass blocking, better run blocking. And if you get things like that, I think you'll finish in the red zone better. You'll convert more third downs and you'll translate Mike White's, Um, performance and his ability to lead this offense and hit tight window throws and all that stuff he was doing, it'll lead to more points if it can be complemented better. So more a a complimentary offensive performance. That's what I would say is the uh, best case scenario here. Running the ball, offensive line, Everything clicking at once. That would be best. Best case scenario is that they're able to actually run the football. Let me check the weather. I don't think yeah. it's supposed to to rain on Sunday. So we're recording this Wednesday, but there's rain on Saturday and Monday. And as somebody who grew up in the Pacific Northwest, it's probably going to rain. 
So they have to be able to get some sort of push. Yeah. Did you pull it up yet? Ball. I checked it recently. It was like that was the one day out of 10 that was projected to not get it. So, you know, that can move as the game gets closer. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking at complementary offense. And then defensively, actually low-key thing to throw into a best-case scenario here, no special teams gas. At this point, it's a weakness. You know, how many times have they come up small in some of these close games recently? You've now lost two one-score games in which you gave up a punt or turn touchdown. Um, that can't happen. So no special teams gaffes, complimentary offense. Then defensively, I don't – the defense can be better, but you know, you can win with average offense with the way the defense have played, has played recently. Just average offense would be enough to win some of these games. So um, I'm not going to focus on them too much. I, I'm mostly focused on the offense – having a good complimentary game. And I think that should be enough to facilitate a best case scenario. Worst case scenario. I think it all just comes down to that O-line. I think it's, you could easily see a Mike white injury and knock on wood. It doesn't happen, but um, it, you know, he's at an at risk position right now. Um, so keep him safe. And, you know, if the offensive line keeps struggling, it's going to, you know, you're not going to be able to capitalize and score that many points, regardless of how well he plays. We saw that in the Buffalo game. So, I think any worst case scenario starts with the offensive line playing poorly. And then defensively, I think it's, you know, still in the trenches. I think a lack of pass rush is going to allow these great wide receivers to make big plays through the air. And Gino can complement what he does underneath with the occasional deep shot and give the Seahawks enough points to prevent the jets from winning, winning a grinding type of low scoring game, kind of like the Lions and Jaguars did. So um, I guess that would would be my best and worst. Well, looking at the Seattle weather, um, looks okay for now. And it's actually a few days now. It's just no rain. So we'll see. But yeah, that'd be nice with no rain. Michael, let's get to why everybody's here. Random predictions. Let's hear some. Oh, I thought I you were talking already, about I already, No. Because we got to save that for the end. Well, yeah, obviously. Best for the last. Um, I would say, well, I had the one earlier. I think LDT's in the lineup. And I'll, I'll put it this way. I think LDT plays in this game. Do you like that? Is that Does that count as random? a Does that have to be an end game prediction? It's one. Or... All right. It's one. Yeah, it's in game because he either yeah, he, either yeah. he's gonna come out as the starter and they've made the change. All right, I'll one up you. Or, he scores or, or a touchdown. The... All right. <laughs> Give it kick. All right, that doesn't else. count. That doesn't count. We're we're gonna add another one. Another random prediction. Uh, I was, but I haven't thought of it yet. So I can come. I'll come up with one right off the top ahead. First thing, I first image I see. Predictions last week didn't. Already, really here's what you, here's we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. Close your eyes. Not yet. First image you see when you think of this game. Just say it. Whatever. How ridiculous it is. First image you see. Go. Close your eyes. Say it. Uh, pick six by Sauce Guard. <laughs> that wasn't. That, you thought of it. I. You took too long to till you closed your eyes. All right, ready. Here we go. Ready? All right. Did that not apply? I took too long. It has to be more instantaneous. I'm I'm trying not to think of the game, and I'm gonna close my eyes, think of it. First thing I said. Ready? Wait. So am I reacting? (laughs) How does this work? It's not hard. You close close your eyes. Okay. First thing that comes to your head. Uh. See, you're thinking. No, I'm not filtering. I guess that's true. I I can't help you there. Maybe that's your issue. All right. Maybe you have to say no filter. Like 
Jets say Jets say at Seahawks. I'm gonna close my eyes. Jets, are, say Jets that. are playing the Seahawks. It's a four or five game. It's gonna be relatively okay, Mike sunny White weather. Mike White just threw a five yard slant to Elijah Moore. Okay, that isn't exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. No. I had Corey Davis. I said Thor Gardner interception, and that doesn't apply. No, it does, but that is a faux answer. All right, whatever. That's your, that's your prediction. I like the, I like Moore, the prediction. Five yard slant was that my prediction? No, 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 no. I like the sauce. Is the sauce Gardner your no, prediction? I'm not. I'm not going to lock that in. I'm going to go with a Bryce Huff strip sack recovered by Frank uh, Franklin Myers. I do. I definitely see, see a know. strip sack coming in this game. Strip sack sounds pretty good, but I, I won't. I won't. Uh, Maybe it's just because they had that, that touchdown I, in 2012. That's why I'm picturing that. Oh yeah, yeah. that was yeah. I, I was there. Mo Wilkerson. Yeah. Um, all right. I said. I said Corey. They, the first thing that popped to my head. I closed my eyes. You could do this at home, by the way. Um, I had. I saw Corey Davis touchdown. It was right at the right at the the pylon. You want to hear like, hear a weird dream I had about the Jets last night? I think they're playing the. Se- yeah, it was I, the I, you know what? Team. I don't know if I want to hear these dreams. You Michael, do want to hear. Told it. me you some of them, and it. I questioned our it's, entire friendship. No, joking, it's very not that bad. It's weird, but it it's. Uh, right, not weird in that way. It's, it's not... just a weird football play. So right. Jets are playing Seahawks. <laughs> the clock's running out. Seahawks have the lead. Yeah. They're backed right. up against their own end zone. For okay. some reason, they're still running a play. They complete a pass in their own end zone. And then Daniel <laughs> Brown, yes, Daniel Brown, comes in, rips it out of the guy's hands in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. And the Jets claim the victory. Thoughts? All right. I don't know what that means. Maybe you could put you on. Talk to a therapist about that one. (laughs) Um, All right, I would say. All right, I'm gonna give one defensive prediction. Ready? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to give a real one. I'm really gonna think about this matchup. I'm gonna say C.J. Mosley interception. I feel like I saw too many Geno Smith linebacker interceptions over his time. What about the lack of passes over the middle from the passing charts? Yeah, but he still hits those digs. I mean, they're not right over the middle, but it's not like C.J. Mosley's always just standing in the middle. I mean. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he'll pick off one of those 10, 15-yard digs looking for DK Metcalf, and they'll just get in the passing lane and pick right. it off. I got two random predictions. All right. I'm going to go with Elijah Moore rushing touchdown and Tyler Conklin receiving touchdown. Okay. Measured but random enough. I like it. All right. I didn't write any of those down. I'll try to remember them. It was like, yeah, whatever. We'll try to remember them afterwards. I'm writing it. Last, last thing. Score prediction. How do you feel about this one? And we've predicted Jets losses. I think I predicted the Jets win on Thursday. Did you predict the Jets win against the Jags? I said they were going to win on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. It's hard in these in these playoff games to predict them to lose. It feels like, well, that's like a losing attitude to go in. Right. Somebody's going to spend two hours listening to this Jets podcast and be like, and they're going to lose. But <laughs> I will say... I do feel good about the Jets showing up for this one. Surprise. <laughs> they will feel? be at the field. That's for sure. Well, meaning I feel like they're going to show up and play a good game. You know, right. like I think we're going to get a – you want one more random prediction? All right. Touchdown drive on the opening possession. For the Jets, okay. not okay. Gino. Have they done that this season? Yeah, they did it with Mike White's first start against the Bears. Oh, right, right. Of course. How could I forget? Yeah. Um, um, I do feel good about this game, so let's go with my score prediction here. I'm, I got the Jets winning this one. Oh, let's go Jets twenty-seven, Seahawks twenty-three. Twenty-seven, twenty-three. Let me look at uh, 
some of these Seahawks scoring totals from the last few weeks. 13 against the 49ers, 10 against the Chiefs. I mean, I'll say 17 to 34 Jets. You like that? Okay. 34-17 Jets. Big blowout. That would be very exciting. That's not, it's not even a huge blowout. That's 34-17. It's three possessions. It's a good clean win. Yeah, it's a clean win. Maybe I'm a little overzealous. We'll see. 34-17 is my prediction. I'm sticking to it. Tweet us all your random predictions at CYJPod. Michael, I noticed on the, if you're watching the video, you didn't you didn't put your uh, your tag and your name. Oh, yeah. That's so true. I'll do it for you. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania ourselves. CYJPod's the podcast, but I'm tweeting. Did get a new light, though. You did get the ring light for Christmas. That yeah. was clutch because it, it would have been looking like you were on the sun. I heard myself through your headphones a few times, though, so the production quality is still improving on this podcast. We're going to get there in 2023. Um, you go to com. best place to go for Jets content. Check out all the other podcasts there, daily articles, Michael's Beast, turning stuff out every day. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's great. Subscribe to the Jets Extract to YouTube. This is like a fourth grader trying to do a book report and he didn't read the book. Is there anything else <laughs> forgetting? Mm, I mean, I think forget about it. fourth grade. I remember being in high school. I wouldn't read the books. I just I, I didn't read a single. This won't be like surprising to, to some of our hating listeners, but I don't think I read a single book in high school. I think I just <laughs> spark noticed everything. And I had A's in English, too. It's a more I got applicable all, I got life all... skill to real life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I read a lot of articles. So I wasn't unread, but yeah. Oh, Catcher in the Rye, Spark Notes, The Odyssey, Spark Notes, all those books. Yes, definitely that. <laughs> all right. It yeah. was like you were it, able to get away with some of the multiple choice questions. Like you can maybe have something oh, there. But I did sometimes brutal on this, get you those, reading those, quizzes. Sometimes they're they you have to write a question like why do you think so and so did this and then I <laughs> just be writing complete nonsense. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah, the multiple choice ones are easy, but when you had to fill in the blanks, I would just write. I, it would be very, I would try to write. It'd be like if I tried to describe the, uh, the Texans' uh, offensive line. This no, season. I just tried to make it vague enough that, like, if you'd read the cover, the back cover of the book or whatever, and you knew just enough about this, I would just try to write those answers as vague enough as, like, okay, he kind of knows what he's talking about, but it made no sense. But like, yeah, Jim went to the store. That was it. Not no specifics, nothing after that. Right. All right. I guess we're done. Is there anything else? Post plug. This podcast comes off the rails. Oh, uniforms. What do they go with this week? White and white. White and black. White and uh, green. White and black. Let's go white and black. I think that's that's my kind of like. I kind of like the the white on white. They yeah, died I, I against way, Jacksonville in all black, and then they've risen. They're like resurrection. <laughs> yeah, they wore <laughs> it's black Christmas to their funeral against Jacksonville. Now they're rising. <laughs> Yeah, I like white, all, we I haven't like, seen all white on the like road the yet, have we? Outside of Cleveland. Yeah, no, we haven't. Right? That was oh, crazy. Cleveland, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Was, that was the best yeah. comeback. So I'd like to see white on white on the road. White on white or white on black. I kind of like white on, the, ready, green, ready for white this? on black. Ready for this? White on white, yeah. green socks. Bang. I haven't I seen know. that look since 2019 against Buffalo. Yeah, that was a I win. That was a week win. 17. So, all right, I guess we're done. Let's get out of here. Michael? It was a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great... We were just coming out a little... Normally, we would drop these preview pods on Friday, but then we didn't have the one come out on Monday, and so 
Uh, this is coming out a little early, so we'll be back on Monday. Man, I really hope we're talking about uh, an electric jet. Well, my, actually, we'll be back Sunday night. But I really hope we're talking about a an electric Jets W and previewing a win and end game against Miami and talking about that and then coming out with later in that week with the preview podcast for that game. And that's what I hope next week looks like. Otherwise, next time you hear from us, we'll be pretty depressing. So with that said, thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week slash weekend. And please, for the love of God, come through for us, Mike White. Extend this season. Let us go into week 18 with playoff hope still alive. It's all we can hope for. So have a great weekend. Go Jets.